Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Good evening, citizens. How you guys doing? Yeah? Okay. Uh, you may not realize this, but um, it's wedding season. Do you guys know that? Like, it's not the spring. I know typically wedding season is in the spring. So I actually had three weddings that I was supposed to officiate, um, not my weddings. You're like, you're getting married? No, I'm already married. Um, I've been married for eight years, like in a couple weeks. Do you know that? Yeah, right? See, I saw that your first reaction was like, oh, that's sweet. And then you're like, eight years, that guy's freaking old. I also turned 30 last week. So um, I remember when I was young and in my 20s, so young and dumb and broke, but, uh, but now I'm 30 and I've arrived. So uh, Brian White, maybe I can get, or, or Cody can get some help here. But um, so it's wedding season. And so all of the weddings that were supposed to be in May, guess what happened to them? <laughs> Canceled. COVID, Corona, Corona takes another marriage out. And so their marriage, or not their marriages, their weddings got taken. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But the weddings were canceled. And so they all kind of got backlogged into August. And so I got to do a few weddings last weekend. And so I'm going to share some pictures with you because these are special, uh, special people that you may know. So, um, and they may actually be watching, right? Do you need this? They may be watching right now. So um, first and foremost, Mr. and Mrs. Max Burchett. So Mackenzie Brow, Mackenzie Burchett now, uh, she's one of our youth staffers. She helps out with uh, our, our sophomore, junior gals. And so that was really sweet to see, to see her wedding. Um, I'll get you guys a picture here really soon. Um, we had another one. So the guy here, this is actually all a stage and a setup. I only broke the TV because I wanted Cody to come down because Cody just got married. And Gabby, where's Gabby? Gabby's out there, Mrs. Weisenbaker. And so uh, Cody and Gabby got married, uh, Max and McKenzie. And then um, there's one more wedding. Who is it? Um, oh, wait, it didn't happen yet. Because we have someone who is engaged in our midst. Uh, the, oh, everybody say, aw. Yep, Max. Oh, oh, Cody, you're a stud, bro. Look at that picture. Wow, right? And then we have one more wedding that's coming up. All right, she's engaged. Courtney Huskison is getting married uh, in October and you guys are all invited. Everyone's invited, the whole room, the whole room, you come. Uh, it's in the woods in Battleground at 42573 Lane Street in a cul-de-sac. So be there, okay? You're invited. It's going to be really good. So um, yeah, it's wedding season, all right? Uh, quick poll here, quick poll. And I want you to be honest. How many of you say, I love weddings? I want you to stand to your feet. You say, I love weddings. Stand. Stand. Okay. All right. Now look, look, look. No, no, stay standing. Stay standing. Because here's the funny part. Here's, here's the funny part. Everybody who's sitting, they feel so much peer pressure right now. There's a good chance that there's at least 10 people in the room that are standing only because they didn't want to feel like they had no love in their hearts, right? Take a seat, take a seat, take a seat. How many people in the room, how many people in the room have never been to a wedding before in their life? Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. You've never been to a wedding? All right. 
Thank you. Take a seat. Take a seat. I thought there'd be more of you. That's just, that was sad. That was sad. I'm sorry. All right. Hey, focus that energy up here because I need, I have one more question for you. And dudes, dudes in the room, I'm going to tell you right now, if you lie, I will punch you in the face. All right. Literally speaking, literally speaking. Okay. How many of you watched the Royal Wedding? Stand up to your feet. Who watched the Royal Wedding? Uh, literally a prince, only the adults, some kid, okay, stay standing, Foster, Foster watched it, hey, did you, or, all right, hey, 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 I want to know this, Garrett, Garrett, I have a question, shh, when you watched the royal wedding, did you, or did you not cry? Yeah, me neither, (laughs) yeah, all right, sit down, sit down, so dumb, who would cry at the watching the royal wedding? Tonight, you are all going to receive a formal invitation to a wedding feast, all right? Congratulations, you are all being invited to the wedding feast, but check it out. Dude, Dominovich, this is like your first time here, right? And you're just like, boom, I'm going to a wedding feast. Welcome, okay? You're at a wedding feast. You're at a wedding feast, but it's not, old. It's not any old wedding. This wedding is special for two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, it's a royal wedding. All right? One of those three people on the screen are going to get married right now by the power invested. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. And Corey's like, no! Uh, Or I mean, maybe they'd be like, yeah, right? Um, And so it's a royal wedding. It's not any old wedding. This is like like a lot of pomp and circumstance. This wedding is a big to-do. As a matter of fact, it's even bigger than the royal wedding that happened a couple years ago, right? So number one, it's special because it's a royal wedding. Number two, this wedding is special because it's a picture. This wedding is special because this, this entire celebration is a symbol. It is a picture of something bigger. The wedding that we are about to witness is actually a parable. It's a parable that Jesus uses to teach us what the kingdom of God is like. And so I want you to pay attention to this wedding. Ladies are like, of course I'm paying attention. Guys, pay attention, all right? I want you to pay attention to this wedding because it is going to tell us what the kingdom of God is like. So listen to the story. Remember it well because it's going to teach you how to respond with the rest of your life. And so every single one of you tonight, you are going to leave here with an invitation to the wedding feast. You are going to have an invitation and there's no like decline. It's not like Facebook where you can just like pretend like you never saw the invitation. No, no. Every single one of you is going to give an RSVP. And the question for you tonight is how will you respond to the king's invitation? I told you it's a royal wedding. The king himself is throwing a wedding. How will you respond to the king's invitation? So are you guys ready to go to a party? How many of y'all are wearing your dancing shoes? Anybody? Hey, everybody dances at a wedding, right? How many of you love going dancing at weddings? Raise them high. Okay. Be honest. How many of you go, that's my least favorite part of the wedding. Please don't make me dance. Hillary, we're going to dance tonight. We're going to dance. All right. Paul raised his hand for the first one. You raised, that's, that's an issue. That's an issue. So we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to throw a wedding feast and then we're going to have a dance party after citizens. Sound good? All right, here we go, here we go. Are you guys ready for the wedding feast for real? Are you ready? Are you ready? I, hey, you guys in the back, everybody right here, everybody right here. Are you guys ready for real? Are you ready, Diego? I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? 
Paige, good to see you. All right, here we go, here we go. The wedding feast, open up your Bibles. Matthew chapter 22, we're jumping right in. Here we go. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves, not to be confused with like calves. I mean, this is like an animal, all right? All right, fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. We have a party, friends. The king is throwing a party and every party has a guest list. And so the first guest list that we see here are the original invites. Okay, guest list number one, the original invites. He's throwing a wedding feast for who? To celebrate his son. This is not just a little party, okay? This is not just a little private reception in the back room. Guys, this is a satisfying feast that is filled with joy and life and much rejoicing. And so he sends messengers, look who he sends them to, the wedding feast. He sends messengers, call those who were invited. Call all of those who were invited. There it is. Call those who were invited. I want you guys to talk to Courtney afterwards and you're going to learn that you don't wake up one day and get invited to a wedding. You don't wake up and you go, I'm gonna get married today. Who should we invite? Right? Like Sam Lieske, you wake up, right? And you get a text message. Hey, bro, it's me. Decided to get married today. Wanna come? Sure. Like, no. Like when you are throwing a wedding, when you are planning a reception, you have already handed out invitations. And so there are people here who were already invited. They're not receiving the invitation. They've already got that. They are simply receiving word. Hey, remember that invitation you got? Today's the day. Remember the wedding, the moment that we've been waiting for? It's here. Come and celebrate the sun. You've had the invitation already for months and months and years and years and years. You've known this day was coming. You've known that the king wanted to present and honor his son. It's ready. It's in the oven. The food is dripping. The, the calves are slaughtered. The ox is sizzling. It's just all, come, come. Those are the people who are already invited. They already knew about this. It's not a surprise. So let's pause the story, think back with me. When Jesus was telling this parable in Jesus' day, who were the people who already knew God and his promises? Jews, Jews. very good. That's what, that's what I get for glitching my, my slideshow, right? <laughs> the Jews, they already knew God's plan to one day present and honor his son. 
Like when Jesus showed up on the scene, guys, you gotta get this. There were tons of people who didn't know Yahweh. There were tons of people groups who didn't know about God and the creator, and not, but not the Jews. The Jews knew what was up. For generations upon generations, the Jews and their ancestors and their descendants, they already knew God. They had his word. They knew his plan. This is why uh, we remember from this, we memorized this at camp, Romans 1.16, right? To the Jews first, and also to the Greeks, to the Jews first, and also, you're like, we were like quoting that. It was like Clay Murphy. We're like rapping it. And then he goes, why to the Jews first? Like we're rapping it. We don't even get it. And we're like, wait a minute. What does that mean? This is what it means. The message of God, the invitation to the wedding feast, it first came to the Jews because they already had known about this for millennia. They had already known what God was up to in Jesus' day. So let me ask you this. In our day, who are the people who already know about God? In our society, who are the people that already know about God's promises? Who are the people that already know God's word and his plan? Think about it. In our society, who are the people, who are the citizens that already know about God? It's not the Jews. Who is it? church kids. There are students who literally grow up in Christian homes. From the moments that the earliest moments that they could remember, they know the name of Jesus. They know the true meaning of Christmas. They know the creation stories. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a ton of students in our society who don't know about God. They don't know about his plan. They don't even know what Jesus was really all about, but not church kids. They already know what's up. How many of you in here I want you to stand again, not for a wedding, for a different question. How many of you are in here and you are church kids? Stand to your feet. You grew up in a Christian home. Both parents taught you the gospel from a young age and you had a Bible since as early as you could remember. Okay. Well, then I want you to pay attention. If that's you, if you're a church kid, pay attention to the first part of this message. Take a seat, sit down. Just like the Jews, right? You already know. You have already known God's invitation. And so look what the king does. The king he first goes to the original invites. He first goes to the people who already knew. Yo, but their response, their response isn't great. Look how they respond. They would not come. <laughs> oh, Courtney, probably a bad time to tell you, I'm not going to your wedding. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, they're just disinterested, right? Like what a slap in the face. Like translate that into today. I wanna invite you to my wedding. Nah, I'm good. Like, and then you're gonna try to be all cool. Like, yeah, no big deal. I didn't want you there anyway. Psh, okay. But like, wow. This is the king, not like your aunt's third marriage who lives in Budapest. This is the king. Nah, no thanks. It says they paid no attention. Not only are they disinterested, they straight up reject him. They ignore the messengers. And notice what they say. You see what they say? Nothing. There's no dialogue. There's no explanation because their actions are speaking loud and clear. Look what their actions are. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business. They're saying with their actions, I'm too busy. I have better things to do. 
There are more important matters than honoring and celebrating your son, O king. I'd rather do my thing than your thing. No offense, hope it's cool. I'm more interested in my program than your program. So uh, no thank you. And then it gets worse because the messengers keep coming. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but the king is persistent. The messengers keep coming. So if Courtney asked me to go to her wedding the first time, I may feel a little bit bad and be like, ah, no. The next time she asks me, I'm gonna go, no. The third time she sends somebody to ask me, I'm gonna start getting angry because you continue to ask me and now you're making me uncomfortable. Now you're making me, every time I say no, you're making me dwell on just how bad of a person I'm being. It's so now I'm getting hostile. And that's what they do. They seized the servants, treated them shamefully, and they killed them. If you keep telling me about the king's invitation, I'm gonna, I don't even wanna think about the fact that I'm ignoring the king. Every time you bring up the king and his son, the king and his son, you're making me angry. I don't wanna think about this. So they mistreat the messengers and they kill them. And they think to themselves, if I kill them, maybe they'll stop coming. You see how they responded to the king's invitation? Disinterest, rejection, hostility. Pause the story for a minute. Who is Jesus talking to in the audience at this part of the parable? Who are, who are his audience there? The Jews. And they know exactly what he's talking about because they know their history. And they're not proud of their history because the Jews, do you know what their great, 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 great granddaddy did to the messengers and the prophets? They killed them. And so Jesus is throwing their history in their face saying, don't forget what grandpa did. He killed the prophets. He killed the messengers that the king sent. And the question that he's putting before them is, are you doing the same thing? The question he's putting before them is how are you going to respond to the king's invitation? You already knew Jews that God's son was coming. Are you now ignoring the call to honor him? Let's think about it, guys. If they already knew that the king was going to send his son, if they already knew that the wedding feast was coming, why would they respond like this? They already knew. Why are they responding like this? Well, you see, here's the thing. Sometimes those who are most familiar with something are often the ones who are most casual with something. See, they had known this story their whole lives. Their grandparents and their great-grandparents, and this was in their history. This is more than, this is like their tradition. This is their culture. They've known about God and the feast. They've been around it for so long that they don't even realize how amazing the invitation is. They don't even realize how absolutely stunning it is. And so they assume, Psh, yo, I've known this my whole life. My ancestors have known this for generations. Psh, of course I'm in, it's me. And rather than honoring the king themselves, they think that they're gonna be cool because of their family history. Church kids, where you at? 
That's why this parable is so powerful for church kids. Because you, my child, who have grown up in the faith, you, my little sister, who have Christian parents, you, my little brother, who were given Bibles every year for your birthday, you, who have grown up with the promises of God and know about Jesus since birth, you are in danger of losing the wonder. You are in danger of relying more on the faith of your parents than you are on your own faith. You are in danger of allowing yourself to to reject God and ignore his son, thinking that you'll still get in because you know, it's me. You know how I know this? Because I was a church kid. I won awards for memorizing scripture way before I even knew what those scriptures meant. And I tell you, I'll tell you this, I also know of church kids who now that they're adults, they have outright rejected the faith of their fathers and they're now hostile toward the faith and they want nothing to do with it. They're not just like, hey, no, thank you. They're killing and mistreating the messengers. And so church kids, Jesus continues the parable in a way that is warning you. That kind of response is going to get a very specific response from the king. You can't respond to the king's invitation like that church kid and think that you're going to be okay. So let's look at the king. First thing I notice about the king, it says, again, he sent other servants. He's persistent. Anybody ever send out one of those invitations on Facebook and then when you don't hear after somebody in the first like two hours, you're like, I'm not even inviting you anymore. Take back the invitation, right? You ever send a text message and they left you on read for like, or they left you on read for like a whole day? You know what I'm saying? How many of you are like, you're dead to me and you delete them out of your phone book? You know, your contact, your contact book? All right, I earned that one. I earned that one. Yeet! All right. The king, the king sends the messengers. The messengers are like, nah, fam. And guess what he does? He doesn't get angry. He sends more and he sends more and he sends more. The king is persistent. He's not just sending messengers. Look what he does. He goes, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. He's trying to entice them. He's trying to convince them. He's going, you smell that? Come on, don't you smell? Don't you, aren't you hungry? Don't you want a feast that's gonna satisfy your souls? Don't you want to come in? Come on, come on. You gotta be here. You don't want to miss this. I know you said no, but maybe you didn't understand. Come on. The king wants them there. That's the king. How amazing is his patience and persistence. But eventually their continual disregard for his gracious invitation. Eventually their mistreatment of the messengers, their rejection of his son will be met with his anger. Says the king was angry. And he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. In the ancient days, you would burn a city. Not, like You already killed everybody in the city. You burn it down because it was the ultimate statement of, I'm going to erase your memory from the earth. 
It's like, I, it's not, I'm not just gonna kill the people in your city, right? Like we are going to go full Spartan mode. We're gonna kill all the people and we're not even gonna like move in and like live in your buildings because we don't even want people to remember you built these buildings. That's an intense picture. Obviously it's a metaphor, but I think you get the point of the picture. You cannot disrespect and disregard the king for long and think that you'll be okay in the end. He's gracious, he's persistent, he's patient, but he's a freaking king. He owns the land. You're his subject. You cannot disregard and ignore the king and think that you'll be okay in the end. And so we see in the picture, there's punishment. And as I read this, I I hear in my own heart and I hear it in your guys' hearts and minds. Have you ever heard this question before? How can a loving God send people to hell? How can a loving God send people to hell? That's so oxymoronic. You're a stupid, you really believe in God that's loving? Oh yeah? Your Bible contradicts itself. If God's loving, then why is there hell? Because he'd forgive everyone, huh? Drop the mic. Maybe you've thought that before. Maybe you've been asked that before. But here's why the picture and the parable helps. Is the king portrayed as a mean God who's out there ignoring people who really want him? Do we see a king who is sending people to hell while they're begging for a different fate? Please, don't let me. And he's like, I don't want you. Is that the picture we see of the king? We see a king who is graciously inviting everyone to the party. He's literally trying to convince them. He's appealing to their senses and their desires. Yes, they've received a terrible ending, but their fate is the consequence of them rejecting him, not him rejecting them. You see, the picture of hell in the Bible is not about a mean God. Hell is about those who are hard-hearted people. And so when somebody says, how can a loving God send people to hell? God doesn't send anyone to hell. Read the parable. They've chosen to live an existence apart from God. And in the end, they're gonna get exactly what they wanted, an existence apart from God. 1 Timothy 2, 4, it says, God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's not sitting there going, yes, they're gonna go to hell. What? God wants everyone to be saved. You're here right now because my friend invited me. No, you're here because the God of the universe wants you to come to the feast. He wants you to come in and celebrate with his family. He wants you to stop eating the bad bread and to feast on true life. I remember when I was young, I'd be like, yo, if Jesus is real, how come he hasn't come back yet? We're waiting for Jesus to return, right? Then where's he at? And then I read this verse. Second Peter says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but his patience toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The Bible says Jesus hasn't come back yet because he's like that, that guy's like one more, one more. He knows that if he comes back now, there may be people who haven't heard. He wants us in the feast. So he's asking the original invitees. He's asking those Jews 
How will you respond to the king's invitation? And I'm asking you church kids the same question. How will you respond to the king's invitation? Their RSVP is crystal clear, right? There's like no, they like literally killed the messengers. And so we see it's obvious. These people responded with disinterest, rejection, and hostility. They have stamped their RSVP and they said, no. But do you smell that? <laughs> do, you, do you guys smell that? Do you smell that sizzling ox? You smell that fattened calf? You hear that? You hear that? You hear the music still play? Oh, snap. There's still a wedding feast. And just because they said no doesn't mean the wedding feast is canceled. It, we better get some other people in here to party because some. how many of y'all know somebody's got to eat this ox, right? How many of you know that tonight after the message, I've brought an ox just for this message? Yeah, way, yeah. It's in battleground at the same place as Courtney's wedding in the woods, all right? Here we go, here we go. So the feast is still on. Someone has to partake. And so look what the king does. Look what the king does. He extends the guest list. Check it out. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those originally invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, <laughs> he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. You see, friends, he extended the guest list. The party is not being canceled. The original guests, they were not worthy. They've already said no. And so the king, he sends out these messengers again and he gives them a new guest list. And who's on the guest list? As many as you find. Tell everybody. Are they breathing? Do they have a pulse? They're invited. Can they talk to you? They're invited. Are they invisible? Then they're not invited. They're visible? They're invited. You get the idea of what the second guest list looks like, right? The second guest list is this. Come one, come all. The original guest list was the original invites, right? But the second guest list, the updated one, is come one, come all. The invitation is open. Come and feast. Come into my home as part of my family to honor and celebrate my son. And so they go out and they're inviting everyone. And what happens? People come. It gets turned up. The wedding hall is literally packed. It says the wedding hall was filled with guests. And so I want you to imagine that the feast is like in here, right? And, it's, and the picture is that everybody's out in the lobby and it's just like, doo, doo, doo. And people are just like walking in, they're cramming in. It's like not COVID season, right? There's not even six inches apart, let alone six feet apart, right? And they are crammed into the wedding hall, but the doors haven't opened yet. The feast has not begun. This is like the pregame. You know, there's like appetizers. They got those little toothpicks with like the shrimp on it. You know what I'm saying? 
They got bacon. I don't even know what's wrapped in the bacon. I don't care what the bacon is wrapped. It's bacon. Like that's bacon wrapped poop. I'm like, that's cool with me. Emphasis on bacon. Right? Everybody's got a price. Mine is bacon. Okay? Bacon. Bake bacon. So they're in the lobby. It's packed out. There's all types of people in the lobby. And there's just like a buzz, right? It's like and there's like you got the little people walking around like from Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're giving out little champagne glasses. I mean Martinelli's. Um, you know what I'm saying? Let me move on here. And so everyone is in the lobby. They've received the invitation. They have showed up. And now they are waiting for the doors to open for the king and his son to welcome everyone in. Pause scene. Let's go back to the Bible. Now let's think again. In Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, Who are the people that are hearing this invitation and packing out the hall? Gentiles, right? Gentiles, basically meaning non-Jews. Remember, the Jews grew up with the promises of God, but there are a bunch of people, non-Jews, Greeks, they didn't grow up with the word. There's a point in Jesus' ministry, right? Because he started out talking to the Jews. There comes a point in Jesus' ministry, just like the invitations, where he turns and he says, now I'm going to talk to these people. Jews, I came to the Jews first, but now also to the Greeks. If the Jews are gonna ignore the invite, It's time for Operation Come One, Come All. And so in our day, translate it, Jews and Greeks in Jesus' day, in our day, who are the people who didn't grow up with the word? They didn't grow up with the promises, but now they're hearing the invitation and they are packing out the halls. In Jesus' day, it was Jews and Gentiles, Jews and Greeks. In our day, it's church kids and church goers. You could say it this way, right? The Bible says that the wedding hall was packed out. I'll say it this way. The church is packed out. There are more than just church kids in this room. There are more than just church kids in the building. There are now church goers. All over the world, people are attending churches. Many of you are in here in this group. You didn't grow up with this, but you're here now. Church goer. It's packed. Literally millions of people all over, the, all over the world in the church building. But here's what's crazy. Let's think about this, all right? I need you guys to put on your hats with me, your thinking hats. Put on your thinking hats. Remember, the invitation was for everyone. Come one, come. Right? Well, when, we, when they were out there in the street, just going, hey, you breathe, come in. Hey, you have a pulse, come in. Hey, you look, whatever, come in. You know, like when they're inviting people in, They weren't doing interviews. Think about it, right? They were literally just giving invitations to anyone. They weren't asking people, hey, before I give this to you, tell me, how do you feel about the king and his son? They weren't asking. They simply gathered all whom they found. Are you tracking with me? They didn't do interviews. They didn't test their, just everybody come, come, come which means that in the building that is packed out in this crowd, there are going to be both bad and good people. Not everyone who is gathering in the crowd genuinely loves the king. 
Not everyone who has gathered in the church has a desire to honor the son. Not everyone who goes to church are there because they want to be with God. In the church building, in the church goers, there are bad and good. And that blows my mind because I grew up thinking, if you go to church, you're good. And everybody who doesn't go to church is bad. Nope. In this room, there's bad and good. There are those who are here because they want to honor the king and celebrate the son. And there are those who are here who aren't. <laughs> kind of like this guy right here, who's what I call a wedding crasher. And so if in the church there's good and bad, people who love the king and people who don't, how do we know the difference? Well, if you shake their hand, you'll tell by the angle of their elbow that they're really, no, no, no. How do we know who's who? Their actions will reveal their true colors soon enough. Their actions will reveal their true colors soon enough. And don't forget, the king, <laughs> the king always knows. There's no tricking the king. He will expose every single person in the crowd. He will expose their true intentions. And only those who are there for the king, only those who are there to celebrate the son, when those doors open, only they will be allowed in. And so let's see what happens when the doors open. Look, the doors open and we see the king came in to look at the guests. So, so check the picture, right? You guys are all in the lobby. And it's like, bacon, you know, and you're doing all the lobby thing, right? The doors open. It's not just like, everybody come. No, no, it's, and the king steps out. And he starts to look around at the guests. And he says, man, there's a lot of people here. We really invited everybody and their mom, right? And it's like, and their mom's mom. And it's just like a lot of moms in here. So what's happening? And everybody's here. And so he starts to look at the guests. <laughs> And he sees a dude, always a dude, right? He sees a dude and the dude is not wearing a wedding garment. Homeboy showed up to a wedding in Crocs, sweatpants, an old hoodie. Homeboy didn't even do his hair. Stop it. I see you guys. You're like, dude, that's like literally you right now. I know. I'm not talking about those guys in the back, all right? This dude showed up to a wedding making casual look formal. Why do you think he's wearing this at the wedding? I, legitimately, I want to hear answers. Because he doesn't care? Why else? He's sad? Yeah. He's like, I don't even have the energy to do anything except for stuff my face with Rocky Road. Yep. He's tired. Yeah. Why else did, what, is he dressed like that? He hates the what? He hates the king. He's like, I'm gonna show that guy. I'm gonna wear my stinky Crocs, you yep. <laughs> Yo, homeboy shows up like this, not because of his budget. Not because of his lack of time. Homeboy shows up to the wedding like this because of his heart. His casual outfit reveals his casual heart. Drew Martin nailed it. Dude doesn't care. We can't see his heart. We can't see what he truly feels about the king, but his actions reveal how he feels about the king. He's not there to honor the king. Homeboy is there because he's trying to get some cupcakes. 
Homeboy is there, not there because he loves the groom. He's crashing the wedding trying to get some bacon. He's there because he likes to party. He's there because he likes community. But it's actually not community because he just likes friends to play video games with. He's there because he has FOMO and doesn't want to miss out. He's there for a good time. His decision, his outfit revealed his true response. And it reveals the response of everyone who's dressed like him. Their response is this. They're casual. They're here for themselves and not for the king. And they thought, showing up is good enough. King, I'm here. I showed up. I'm not like those guys who killed your servants. I could be worse. I'm here. What, What more do you want? How do you think that guy's gonna enjoy the feast? How do you think that attitude is going to be met when the king comes out? Well, you don't have to guess. Look what he does. The king comes out and he literally calls him out. He goes, bro, you're not even dressed. This is a wedding. Are you joking? Where are your clothes, right? How did you even get in here without a wedding garment? That's my favorite. He's like walking up to him and he's like, bro, who let you in, right? Like attendant, who do I have to fire? You look like a joke. (laughs) His outfit's that bad. It's that bad. Maybe he's in middle school. I'm not sure. (laughs) I was in middle school and so were you, all right? And then what does this guy say? What does the guy say to the king? What does he say? He was speechless. He has like a cupcake halfway in his mouth. He's got four pieces of bacon wrapped shrimp in this hand, right? And he's like dancing. (laughs) And the king, he turns and everybody's like, Right? And he's like, <laughs> it's the king. And the cupcake crumbs just come from his mouth. His knees are shaking a little bit. He thinks he may have just pooped his pants. Either that or the bacon just hit different. And the king is like, this is a wedding. You clearly aren't here for the king. You're clearly not here because you want to be with me. Your heart has been exposed. And just like the first group learned, he has now learned that this response is not good enough to come into the feast. The churchgoer is about to have the same experience as the church kid. He is cast into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's not brought into the feast. The man who didn't really love God is now going to spend eternity without God. Why would God do that? No, 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 stop that. That guy got exactly what he wanted to be apart from the king. He just didn't realize how poor his choice was. And so churchgoers, those of you who maybe you didn't grow up with it, you are now facing the same question as the church kids were earlier. You see, church kids, you're in danger of thinking that you're gonna be a shoo-in for the feast because of your family and your history. But churchgoers in the room, you're in danger of thinking that you're gonna be led into the feast simply because of your attendance and your affiliation. I know tons of older people, they go, I, go to, I, went, I went to church my whole life. I've never missed a Sunday. I give money in the bucket. I even, I'm one of the greeters at the door. 
It doesn't matter if you go to church every week. It doesn't matter if you only follow Christian influencers. It doesn't matter how many Christian friends you have. God wants to know, how will you respond to the king's invitation? And only you can answer that, friend. I'm not here to be the judge of you. I'm not here to go, you look legit, you look legit, you not legit. You really love God, you don't love God. You, I saw you pray earlier and the posture of your hands was like, perfect. I don't know, dude. Only you know your heart. What is your true response? Every single one of you in this room, you have received an invitation from God. Come and be a part of my family and honor and celebrate the son the king of the world, the one who created us. He is calling you, human being, subject to God. Come in and be with the Godhead, not away from the Godhead. Stop running. I know you're a knucklehead. I know you've sinned. I know you have secret addictions. I know you're mean. I know you're a bully. I know what you, I know all these things. I don't care. I want you. Come to the feast. Taste life. How will you respond? What is your heart's true response? Do you love this gracious king who lovingly invited you to the feast for free? Do you see the beauty of his son and genuinely want to honor and celebrate him? Or do you just wanna be near the party for the benefits? Are you here to honor the son or to have a good time at youth group? I think you know. But maybe you're here and you're like, yo, Sam, like I literally, I don't even know. I don't even know if my parents are Christians. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't really know what's up. I kind of come every week and it's fun. I don't know what my true heart's response is. If you're not sure, then remember what the last guy learned. Our hearts are revealed by our actions. And so you, my high school friend, you, my middle school friend, if you want to see your heart, look at your life. I'm gonna say some things right now because I love you, because I really do love you. And because I do believe that if you want to see your heart, look at your life. Are you keeping your sin unconfessed, not really concerned about it, thinking I'll get around to that later? Then you probably love sin more than you love God. Are you not making time to spend time with God in prayer and his word? You probably love TV more than God. You probably love video games more than God. Are you a jerk to people around you not caring what they think? You probably love yourself more than God. It doesn't matter how many churchgoers are packed into the building. At the end of the day, when the doors open and the king emerges, revealing his son, he will know who you truly are. He will know those who are truly his and those who are simply there because they wanted to go to a party. You see, he ends this parable by saying, many are called, few are chosen. Many are called. Like literally, remember, if you have a pulse, the king has sent his messengers to you. There are people all over the world right now doing what I'm doing, telling you about the invitation of the king. Many are called. Many even respond to the invitation and enter the building. But few are chosen to come into the feast of eternal life. And that choice 
depends all on how you answer this question. How will you respond to the king's invitation? Do you see yourself in this parable, student? Maybe you see yourself in the first group. Maybe you're a church kid. You grew up in church your whole life. You're familiar with it. You know the Bible better than most people around you, but you don't care. Your response is disinterest, rejection, maybe even hostility. You don't mind coming to youth group, but when you get to small group and things start getting real and you start to feel a little bit angry inside and you're like, I don't wanna talk about this anymore. Can we just like be distracted and talk about other things? Warning, warning. You may be a church kid. Maybe you're a church goer. You didn't grow up with this stuff. You came in because, oh, that was kind of cool. That's exciting. That's new. I want a new experience. Wow, that sounds interesting. But when push comes to shove, the things of life have crowded out any genuine interest in the things of God. And you still come because this is where your friends are and Sam's kind of funny every once in a while. And, and you know, I just want to be a good person. Then you, my friend, you may be responding with a little bit too much of a casualness. You may actually be here for yourself and not for the king. You may be the kind of person that when the king comes out and he says, what are you wearing? Get out. You may go, but, but, but I thought showing up was good enough. This is the hardest one for me. Because people who just reject God outright, people who leave their faith, like, all right, you know what you're doing, but the people who like maybe even can deceive themselves, I thought showing up was good enough. Hey, church goer, it's not. Love God. Are you a church kid? Are you a church goer? I hope not. I hope you're only part of the third category. I hope that you're just a Christian. I hope you're a Christian. Christians respond in faith. They truly believe God. They trust him with their life. When things get hard, they they rest the weight of their life on him and on his promises. When things get into crisis mode, they're not picking up the phone to call their friend first. They're not picking up the phone to call mom first. The thing that they look to with their soul is, dear God, I need you. That's true faith. You can always tell a Christian by what they look to first in the middle of crisis. Put your faith in God. Trust him and believe in him. Christians also, they respond by humbly repenting. Humbly repenting. You see the, the guys in the field, the church kids, the Jews, they were like, I don't need that. I'm good. I have more important things. The way that I see the world right now, I'm set. Thank you very much. But true Christians, they go, God, I need you. There's a humility and a willingness to confess. I messed up. There are kids in this room that if I were to speak truth to you and point to something in your life, you would go, no way, man. I'm done. And I've done that with kids and they've left and they've never come back. But then there's, for every one of those, there's 10 more kids in this room that when one of your leaders say, hey, can I show you something? You go, I need that. You're right. I don't even, I don't even want what you're saying right now, but at least I know that it's right. And just, and there's a humility that says, I have a desire to turn and follow Jesus. Thank you for showing me that I'm living for myself. As hard as it is, I'm praying that I would turn and follow Jesus. There's a humility to Christians. 
Those are the kind of people that when they leave this message, they're not going to go on their social media or talk to their friends and try to like make themselves feel better by going, yeah, yeah, what a jerk anyway, that guy. And I don't even like his shirt. Do you see how stupid it was? Yeah, I'm not listening to that guy. Or are you going to go home, close the door, turn off your phone and spend some time in prayer tonight and go, dear God, where am I? Dear God, I'm so lost right now. I have everybody at youth group fooled. I have my parents fooled. Everybody has all these expectations of me to be the good church kid. I'm lost, God. That's a Christian. And they live for the king. Look at their actions, their time, the way that they respond to sin, the way they speak to their parents, the way they handle their social media, the way they do their school. I mean, every aspect, their work ethic, everything is done with a desire that says, I want to please God. So as the band comes, we have time tonight. We're just gonna chill. We're gonna respond. We're gonna play. And, you, and you're just gonna have some Jesus time, okay? This is not the time to be like, all right, it's done. Go to the bathroom. Everybody, everybody right now, run to the water fountain. Now they can't do that because they're busted, okay? <laughs> you're like, I was gonna do that. Not anymore. Don't run. Are you a church kid? Are you a church goer? Or are you a Christian? Only one of those is gonna get to enjoy the feast at the end. And I pray it's you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are a patient God, consistently calling for everyone to come and follow Jesus. Thank you for your patience, Lord. Help us to respond well. Help us to respond to your invitation to honor the son with humility, with faith, and with a desire to live for you. Lord, I pray for the church kids in the room who maybe they're relying a little bit too much on their history or their family's last name. I pray that they would remember that you don't have any grandchildren, only children, and that they would seek to have you as their father and put their faith in you so that you would adopt them as their son and daughter. Lord, I pray for the churchgoers in the room, those who didn't grow up in the church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that they have heard the invitation and they have come near. They have packed out this place. Lord, make their faith real. I'm so glad they're here, close enough to hear the gospel. I pray that they would be here for more than the cupcakes and the bacon. May they be here because they know that you satisfy their souls. May they get their lives together, Lord, putting on garments, preparing for the king, having a lifestyle that reflects honor. May they take God seriously. And then, Lord, for these Christians in the room, thank you for their faith. Thank you for the new Christians who are gonna be getting baptized here in a few weeks. Lord, we want to be Christians. We want to be genuinely living for you. Would you help us persevere to the end? Pray for those Christians who are discouraged, who are weak, who are weary, who are tired. Give them strength. Bless them with a sense of your nearness and your presence, Lord. We love you, Father. We want to respond to you well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens.